Travel Squad podcast. We're four friends that grew up together in the same small town. We followed each other to San Diego, and now we adventure the world together. One passport stamp at a time. We're here to share our travel stories and inspire you to go on your own adventures. Even if it starts with your own backyard. I'm Jamal. Brittany. Kim. And I'm Dana. And And we're we're the Travel Squad podcast. So grab your ticket, your passport, and don't forget your travel insurance. And prepare for takeoff. Hello, fellow travelers. Hey. Ciao. Welcome to episode 19 of the Travel Squad podcast. Today, we're exploring Venezia, the famous city of Venice, Italy. Venice is an iconic place to visit in Italy with all the beautiful intertwined canals and streets. Kim, Jamal, and I have all visited Venice on different trips, so today we are going to tell you about the must-knows before you go, how to get to the city, and what to do once you're in the city. But before we get started on the episode, we want to give a big shout out to our listeners, Ava and Nora. They are eight and 10 years old. They've been listening to our podcast and have an upcoming trip to China. So hey, girls, keep traveling. Don't stop. Thank you for listening. You've never been to Venice, right? I have been to Italy, but never to Venice. So what are some things to know about Venice? Top things to know. The first thing I would say that's most important for people to know is to understand that there are absolutely no cars whatsoever in Venice. It's a bunch of islands that are closely compacted with each other, and the only mode of transportation is either to walk or take a water taxi or water bus to your locations. There is one spot, only one island of the Venetian islands where you can get to by bus, car, taxi, but that's one of their northernmost islands, and then everywhere else you're either going to have to walk or catch a water taxi from there. So be prepared to walk or be prepared to take a water taxi. And just keep in mind too that because you can't go with a car past a certain point, if you're staying in the city, whatever luggage you have, you're going to have to lug that yourself or hire a porter to lug for you. And Venice is filled not only with streets and canals, but a lot of staircases. And so you're going up and down these stairs and you're most likely going to get lost getting to your hotel. So just be prepared to spend some time with your luggage hauling it around. And a lot of those bridges too aren't just, you know, flat arched, they're stared. So if you are carrying your luggage, you're really going to have to lift it. Even if you have rollers, it does you no good until you're on a flat surface. Yeah, I definitely lugged my luggage from the train station to our apartment we were staying in. And it's kind of a pain, but it's not that big of a deal, you know, once you get through it. And I think that getting lost in the streets is one of the fun things to do in Venice. The streets are so, they're not like streets that you think of typically. They're tiny, the buildings are high, so they're more like little alleyways and they have no formation, no structure to them. They're just in and out, winding. Yeah, it's not like it's a grid pattern or anything. They're all just random. You just walk and walk and walk and then all of a sudden you're in a new section. (laughs) So I have a question for you guys about the water taxis. Here in the United States, you get in a taxi and you pay per mileage. You probably even have like a base fare. So how does that work with a water taxi? How do they measure how far they're taking you? There are certain stations where you buy your ticket and you tell them where you're going and they tell you the price. So like if you're going out to one of the Burano Murano Islands, you just tell them that. And I think it was seven or 15 euros or more if you wanted to hit up multiple islands instead of just one. Well, are you referencing the water taxi or the water bus, Kim? Because there's two different ones. A taxi is like you will here, you know, it's 
solo on your own, whereas a bus, it's part of the public transport. Yeah, it was a bus. So the bus, yeah. Taxi-wise, to answer your question more directly, Zana, I don't know. Brittany and I didn't really use it. We took the opportunity to walk it because Venice is very walkable. Other than the islands that they have no bridges to get to, all the close clustered islands, you can walk very easily. So we did that. I would imagine, you know, they just have flat rates that you negotiate with a taxi, but that I don't know. But I would recommend it is flat rate. I would recommend if anyone's going to take a boat to do the water bus because it's cheaper. Don't do a taxi. You're going to pay crazy amounts of money. What else should you know about Venice? I learned this on the last day, and this is kind of something more random and more touristy than about Venice itself. But Brittany and I love to send postcards to ourselves from the places that we visit. We love to write in on them and send it to us and look forward to receiving them when we get home. And when we were in Venice, we picked up a postcard. We asked the vendor if he sold a stamp. He said, yes, I do. It costs this much. I forgot how much. It was $2.50 euro cents. So quite expensive for an international stamp. But I was like, okay, you know, it's part of the experience. I want to send it to myself. And then he said, just be sure to put it in the mailbox that's right outside my shop. And I didn't think much of it because I was thinking to myself, okay, well, he's probably just telling me there's a mailbox there. I saw a mailbox by my hotel. I'll be just fine. And then as we're putting on the stamp after Brittany and I have written in it, to drop off the morning we're actually leaving to the airport. I look at it and I realize this is stamp is kind of funny. And then I did some research and apparently in Venice and in more touristy cities in Italy, they have a private postage service. So if you buy the private postage service stamp, you can't put it in the regular postal service that Italy utilizes, nor will it transfer to any American or other country ones in that sort of way. It's a private delivery service. And so I couldn't find a mailbox for it that was close enough to our hotel by the time we had to leave because we're going to the airport. So Brittany and I just carried it with us and I lost 250 euro. (laughs) At least you got the stamp. Yeah. (laughs) I think Kim had a story she mentioned about it where she bought the private one and actually put it in the right box and you got mm-hmm. it though, correct? I sent it to a family member, but yeah. It did come. It did. Good. See, because I read a lot of reviews saying that it definitely didn't come for them. Part of the experience. I guess it is. <laughs> it's it hit, a gamble. Hit or miss. <laughs> Brittany and I are still waiting on a postcard from our Adriatic <laughs> vacation that we took. Did so. you ever get your postcard from Mexico the first time we went in 2016? Nope. Nope. Oh, I got mine. It's so interesting because we all dropped our postcards off at the exact same place. Yeah, I guess even with regular stamps, it's hit or miss. But for the most part, you know, with this one, it just took me by surprise. So point being, if you do buy the private one, just be sure you're actually putting it in the correct mailbox because the Italian government's post office or postal service, they're not going to do you the courtesy to make sure it gets into the private company's hands. They're just going to toss that. So be mindful. Another thing that's really unique about Venice, because there are so many canals and waterways, the city's really built on the water. And so I remember watching a documentary years ago about how Venice floods certain times of year and it really gets into the shops and it's like inches or feet of water in the shops it damages them and it's becoming an issue and they're trying to create some engineering that will offset it. So I remember hearing about this but I didn't think that I was there in the time of year that it happened but I happened to be there in April this year and it was raining and the water levels did rise to the point where it was flooding into the streets and then when that happens 
the shop owners shut down and they close their doors. So you'll be walking through the streets and it looks very deserted. Wow. And it's you can't even tell there's a shop there because it just looks like a wall. How much water was flooding the streets? It wasn't that bad. Um, it was raining very hard, but the water was just kind of like lapping up onto the cement. But it wasn't like getting into shops or anything, but I think they definitely closed as a precaution because it is known to damage the property. You're lucky because I remember seeing earlier this year too when they were having a lot of floods during the rainy season, it was actually knee high. So they would show tourists walking there in knee high floods. That's crazy. I can't imagine that. I know. Well, what about your hotel? Your hotel must be pretty high then. It's not being affected. I stayed in an apartment that I rented through Expedia Mm -hmm. and it was on the ground floor, but it, it was okay. Interesting. And for our hotel, the ground floor was just the reception area. All of the rooms were higher up. So if it floods, you're still at knee level, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Another thing to know for Venice is you're going to be walking around quite a bit. And if you get really thirsty, bring your water bottle. There are fountains throughout the entire city and you can fill up your water bottle with water from the fountain and it's perfectly safe to drink. So that being said, how did you get into the city? Where did you guys come from to get to Venice? I was on a 10-day trip throughout Italy. And so I was coming from Florence. I took the train and it was really weird when I bought the train ticket online because there was like a stop two stops before Venice and I was supposed to get off that train and get on another one that went to Venice but we were kind of like lagging a little bit and the guy was like oh just stay on because it didn't make any sense to get off when that train was going to Venice itself so we got a first class train the whole way there did you pay extra for that we did not wow that's yes nice. score big time fucking them hard yeah <laughs> <laughs> But we got back to the train station and then just walked to our apartment using Google Maps, kind of like weaving in and out of the alleys. Very nice. Jamal and I arrived to Venice a little bit differently. This was our last day from our Adriatic Coast vacation. And since the tour company that we used was flying everyone out of the Venice airport, we used that transportation from them to get to Venice airport. And from there, we took a bus into the city. Yeah, so Brittany and I didn't just go to Italy to go to Italy, and then Venice was one of them. It was a tail end of our last vacation that we did, so we figured might as well utilize the opportunity. We're here, let's experience Venice. And so since they dropped us off at the airport because everybody else on our tour was flying home, we had to be on our own to get from the airport to Venice. And it's actually really, really close. By bus, it takes 20 minutes. And Brittany and I took a specific bus. We actually took the A. ATVO Express Bus, which is a private bus company, and it costs eight euros one way to get to the Piazzale Roma, which is the only place that I told you earlier on that you can actually get to by vehicle. So bus, car, taxi, and it's that main northern island. And from there, wherever you go, you're either going to have to walk or take a water taxi or bus. And we were able to purchase the tickets for that bus at the airport. And if you want it round trip, it costs. It's 15 euros, so you'd save a dollar if you bought it all at the same time versus eight euros to get there, eight euros back. And the bus runs every 20 minutes. So I think this is the best option to get to Venice, especially if you're flying it. And we arrived in Venice at about 8 a.m. We had actually left Slovenia around 3.30 a.m. I slept on the bus. I don't know if Jamal did or not. We got to the airport and had a little bit of downtime before our bus took us to where they could drop us off in Venice. And so we got to the city right around 8 a.m. and not much was open yet. So it was really nice to see the shops and the streets kind of deserted. 
deserted and empty because we were able to roam around freely. And then we just went to our hotel real quick and dropped off our luggage and were able to go around from there. Yeah, there are a couple other ways that you can get there, though. I just want to go over. Kim came in via train. There is only one train station into Venice, and it is in that same area of the Piazza Le Roma that I mentioned. So when where we got landed with the bus, you just cross over one bridge and the train station is right there. Otherwise, from the airport, you can also take a private water taxi, which is going to be really expensive. Again, we didn't utilize that. I've read online that those can cost up to 100 euros, believe mm-hmm. it or not or they have the water bus. And in Venice, just so you guys are aware, water buses are called vaporettos. So you can catch a vaporetto from the airport and those roughly cost about 15 euros, but they may not take you directly to your hotel. Again, it is a bus, even though it is a boat. So they have specific stations. So you still may be having to walk far. Kim, when you went to Venice, when you left, did you fly out of the Venice airport or did you take the bus somewhere else to go to another place in Italy? That was our last stop. And so we did go to the Marco Polo airport and fly out. How did you get there? We purchased a ticket off of one of these cart vendors for the bus and then got on the bus and went to the airport. Super simple to get a ticket and arrange any type of transportation. For Jamal and I, we had a 6 a.m. flight out of Venice, and so there were no buses or trains to the airport at that hour because we needed to leave at like 3.34 to catch our flight. And so we had to arrange for a taxi to pick us up. And because it was after hours, they charged us $50 just to get from Venice to the Venice airport. Ooh, you guys got fucked hard. Yeah, we did. But (laughs) unfortunately, that was our flight time. So if you want to avoid that and take the cheaper ways to get back to the airport, airport if you can you know make sure that your flight is a little bit later in the day Brittany's and eyes was so early that again there was just no mass transportation that you can take we had to arrange for private arrangements with a taxi that's 50 dollars or 50 euros euros 50 euros so they fucked you even harder yeah like 55 (laughs) dollars i know i know Hey squaddies, we want to share one of our favorite travel products with you. Liquid IV is a category winning hydration brand fueling your well-being while traveling. One stick fits into 16 ounces of water to give you three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks and hydrates you two times faster than water alone. Their half ounce hydration multiplier powder packet is the one product you need in every suitcase, carry-on, and day pack. We use it while flying on planes because flights can be so dehydrating. We use it when we feel jet lagged, when we're out on a hike, and after a long night out that has us feeling worn out. In just one stick, you get five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. Liquid IV also now comes in 12 delicious and refreshing flavors to keep your hydration routine exciting. Our favorites are the lemon lime and tangerine with immune support. It's made with premium ingredients, all non-GMO and gluten, dairy, and soy free. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use Travel Squad Podcast at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop better hydration today using promo code Travel Squad Podcast at liquidiv.com. Hey, squaddies, let's take a quick detour to talk about our travel itineraries that we've created just for you. We just launched several new international trip itineraries, including Tulum and Japan. This is on top of the itineraries we already have for U.S. trips like the Hawaiian island of Kauai, the U.S. Virgin Islands, as well as national park trip itineraries, including Utah's Mighty Five National Parks and a week at Grand Teton and Yellowstone. 
These fully built out 20 to 30 page PDF guides are available for instant download on our site right now. Every detail of the trip is laid out for you. So all you have to do is download, book, show up, and have fun. The itineraries tell you where to fly into, the exact route to take, where to stay, park entrance prices, where to eat, driving distance between attractions, the things to see and do, even the hikes we recommend, their mileage, and the time to allot for each one. And believe it or not, so much more. Be sure to head over to TravelSquadPodcast.com to download your very own comprehensive travel itinerary today. So uh, what is there to do in the city besides just like walking around? Walking around is one of the coolest things to do in Venice. Like I said, the streets, the alleyways, they're just so cool and very old. So I don't, I don't know. I get I get off on old buildings <laughs> and they're really cool looking. They get you going, huh? And old men. Love me some older men. <laughs> yeah, remember when we were in Cuba and your fortune was that I was going to introduce you to an older man? I'm and still waiting gonna, on that. I know. If there are any men who are in like the 40s, and they're interested in Kim, hit me up because the prophecy is I am going to introduce you to Kim and you're going to get married. So help a sister out. But other than older buildings getting you going, Kim. The what, bridges what, are really thought, yeah. cool. There's just waterways everywhere. And so everywhere you're going to want to take pictures and you just wind in and out and then it'll open up into a square. There's shops. You think you're going down like a deserted alley and then boom, there's like people and shops and restaurants. And it's just so cool. I love that. You really can't go wrong no matter where you go. Even if you get lost, you're going to find your way and it's going to take some time, but it's so beautiful exploring and just finding your way naturally. I will say this, even though there are obviously some of the passageways and streets, if you will, are wider. A lot of them are narrow, but nonetheless, they have a lot of signs that will tell you, oh, major attraction, you know, like the Rialto Mm. Bridge or St. Mark's Square, and they'll have an arrow pointing you in the general direction because the buildings, they're not skyscrapers, but they are high. So you just really don't have a lay of the land of where you're going. So those signs really help. So if you do get lost, take it in stride because Venice is meant to be explored in that way. And that's half of the fun. But beyond just walking the streets, there is a lot of history in the city. And that's where there is a lot of things to do. For example, St. Mark's Square is one of the main tourist attractions in Venice. And within St. Mark's Square, there's several things for you to do that we're going to go over. One of them is the door. Palace, which is the former supreme authority of Venice's Republic. That was their version of their presidential palace, if you will. I would equate the Doge to their president. I love the way you say that. Doge. I had to Google it to make sure I was saying it correct. It's Doge. 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 Okay, guys, all together. One, two, three. Doge. Yes. So the Doge's former palace has been turned into a museum, and it's actually built in the Venetian Gothic style architecture. It's really cool to see the outside of it. We didn't go in. They do charge an entrance fee to do that. But in St. Mark's Square, they also have St. Mark's Basilica, which is free to do and Brittany and I partook in that. It's a beautiful building. Yeah, I actually didn't know it was free until I looked it up online and I was like, free entrance, count me in. Did you go in, Kim? I didn't. I think it was closed. We got there kind of late and then it was raining, so we didn't end up doing it. But just the building itself, we took tons of pictures of it in front of it. It's so pretty. So you dodged the doge? 
No, that wasn't the Doge. It's oh. St. Mark's Basilica. <laughs> oh, just kidding. Sorry. But you know, those buildings just getting me going. I couldn't what? even go in. I was obsessed well, with Well, they are right by each other. So she dodged the Doge to take the photo in front of the Basilica. Huh? <laughs> Dodge the Doge. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I couldn't. Uh, no, but I mean, if you thought the outside was really pretty, I mean, you should have seen the inside. It's unfortunate that you didn't get to go in. So there is a bit of a line. It moves quick. If you don't pay for a private tour, which you can actually do, and from what I saw online, they're not very expensive, but your tour guide, it's going to be maybe 15, 20 minutes. will give you more of the history of what's going on on the inside. Nothing you can't read about later, but if you do it on your own, they walk you in a specific one-way path. It's really compact and crowded, but if you can get past that just to see the inside, it's amazing. Yeah, so I have a few things I want to share about going inside the St. Mark's Basilica. So first of all, it's a Catholic church and it's still running services and they ask you to dress modestly. Were you dressed modestly? I was not. <laughs> you little slut. I know. I know. What were they, you wearing? I was wearing a romper and it Ooh, wasn't a pant leg romper. It was a short like skort looking romper and it had a little bit of cleavage too. So a little bit, a lot of it. Okay. Maybe a lot of bit. <laughs> yeah, probably a lot. <laughs> so Jamal and I were in line and as we are approaching entering the building, there are these signs and they show you that your dress length has to be down to your knees that you can't be showing cleavage. You you know, you can't be wearing a spaghetti strap, so you need to be covered up. So I was trying to almost hide behind Jamal to see if we could sneak in, but they had multiple areas of people checking you. And we got by the first that one. seriously. Yeah, and the second guy caught me and was like, you, mm-mm-mm, yeah, yeah. you can't go in. So like Brittany <laughs> said, we saw the signs. And then as we got closer, we saw, you know, the checkpoint where they have the person looking at you to make sure you are dressed modestly, appropriately. And then we saw somebody get turned around and say, oh, no, no, you can't go in like this. And I was like, Brittany, I want to get in. You like, We waited in line. Let me try to hide you to the side. So we did, as Brittany said, get her past the first person. But the second person ended up catching her, even though I was trying to stand in front, block her, go in with the crowd. He saw it. And so <laughs> they, do, your tricks. they do sell covers, though. You can buy a cover for two euros. So we were like, you know what? We already made it this far. It's only two euros. I'm just going to go ahead and buy one, put it on and do the tour. The other thing that I want you guys to know is that even though the entrance is free, it is a one-way pathway, but there are parts where you can diverge off and look at something extra. And for those extra parts, you do have to pay an additional fee if you want to go view those parts. Did you see anything extra? We did not. Serious question for you. If you had been turned away, Brittany, Jamal, would you have gone on without her like you would have on the Inca Trail? No, because we knew we were going to go back to the hotel and I would have just had her change and we would have gone back and done it probably. It's true love. Yeah. I wouldn't want to go in alone, honestly. I mean, I caught a peek of the inside from the point where he almost turned Brittany away. But once you're inside, it's so beautiful in there. I was just so impressed with the ceilings because in a lot of churches, especially classical churches and specifically in Italy, there's a lot of frescoes, paintings on there. And I know when you went to Venice, Kim, it was part of your Italy trip and you saw the Sistine Chapel when you were at the Vatican. And that's a fresco. It's a painting. Oh, there's paintings on every square inch of the walls and ceiling. Not in St. Mark's Basilica, though. It's all mosaics. Mosaics. 
Very cool. All golden mosaics. Is fresco a style? Yeah. Well, I mean, all I know is fresca cheese. Fresco, fresca. Similar but different. (laughs) It's not a cheese, though, Zaina. It's a painting. (laughs) Yes. And so, you know, when you go into churches, you see paintings on the ceiling, on the walls. Those are called frescoes. So in St. Mark's Basilica, they don't have frescoes. They have all mosaics on the ceiling and they're all golden. And it was just really beautiful to be seen. And I actually read a little bit later and I didn't realize this that one of the main reasons why St. Mark's Basilica kept with the mosaics versus going to the frescoes that you see in a lot of other Italian churches from that period is because in Murano, which is a Venetian island, they're famous for their glass blowing. And to help stabilize and keep that industry going, they created or made the tiles that they used in the mosaics themselves. So that's one of the reasons why they never did the transition to frescoes. But I just can't even describe how beautiful those golden mosaics were on the ceiling. It was just amazing to see. It was a sight to see, definitely. I just couldn't believe there is no blank space. Mm -hmm. There's just scenes everywhere made out of the mosaics. I mean, that takes a lot of thought and engineering just on the creativity portion of it. I was reading afterwards that it took centuries to make. So obviously they didn't do it all at one time, but little by little. So it took, you know, over 500 years for them to just even finish the mosaics that are on top. That sucks for the guy who had the idea who never got to see it finished through. (laughs) Maybe he got to see one portion finished through, I guess. It's the journey, not the destination. That is so true. (laughs) So is there any scene specifically on the ceiling that you just absolutely love? Well, we didn't do the tour, so I don't know what was what scene. I think some of the writing in there was definitely in Latin too, which I don't understand. So, you know, if someone, and I'm interested in history myself, but if someone's more interested in it, it may behoove them to pay, you know, the 10 to 15 euros to get somebody to give you the guided tour and I'm sure they could explain that for you but not one in particular stood out to me but I was impressed by everything as a whole. Right across from St. Mark's Basilica is another building. It's very very tall, over 300 feet tall. It's St. Mark's Campania. I think that's how you pronounce it in Italian. So it's a very tall bell tower and it was built in 1912 after the tower actually collapsed in 1902. So what you can do is stand in the short line to go up to the top of it. You can also buy tickets in advance online and skip the line if you're interested in doing that. But we ended up waiting in the line. It took about 15 minutes. I think it was about eight euros to get in. So not expensive, but I highly recommend it because when you're at the top, you can see all of Venice, the waterways, the islands. It's super pretty. It is the tallest structure in Venice, that tower. Yeah, it's super tall. And there's these beautiful bells at the top. And when we were at the top, they actually rung. Ooh, did that hurt your ears? It was very loud, but it was really cool and I have a video of it and I'll post it on our Instagram when this episode goes up but also guess what's at the top tell me a phone booth a phone booth <laughs> and I got a picture in it you know I did a phone booth oh yes. wow Brittany and I surprisingly because you could take the stairs all the way to the top you know Brittany loves easy days I am so shocked she didn't tell me to do this I don't know if in the moment we were just at the tail end of our vacation that we did and again we extended on for Venice and we were tired I don't know if we were feeling cheap and didn't want to pay for it but we didn't do it which again surprises me since we like to hike and do little things when I did it we took an elevator just for you guys to know out there you don't have to to climb the stairs. Oh, there's an elevator yeah, in there. Yeah. There's a way to cheat, I, huh? There was nobody climbing up the stairs. We would have. I, I don't know, know like, if you could have, actually. Or maybe we just were like, hell no. But <laughs> Nonetheless, I would still like to go to the top, but like you said, 
It collapsed in 1902, was rebuilt in 1912. But afterwards, I just did a little bit of research and history on it. You know, sometimes I like to do this before the trip. Sometimes I'll do it afterwards. But I found out that that tower was rebuilt and remodeled so many times because it was prone to lightning strikes, which would catch it on fire. So they would always have to rebuild it. But this last time that they rebuilt it in 1912 was because the tower collapsed because it had a crack running down the side. So I know that we didn't go up that tower Hour, but what we did do instead was Jamal asked me on a date while we were in Venice. Oh, oh took her on a little date. Yeah, so we went and crossed the Rialto Bridge, and the Rialto Bridge is the oldest of the four bridges that span the Grand Canal. And we talked about small canals in the streetways. The Grand Canal is grand. It is grand. It Largest, is widest. Yeah, and it's a super popular place to cross and just look out at. And there's a lot of shops lining that area. So Jamal took me to a coffee shop, and we went on a cute date sitting Aww. next to the Rialto Bridge, looking out onto the Grand canal did you guys get nervous like butterfly nervous no not really <laughs> <laughs> is she gonna like me <laughs> <laughs> no but the rialto bridge is an iconic photo spot in venice so i recommend to anybody if you are gonna go get there early before the crowds get there and you have people in your photos because it's really pretty to just see the shops lining the canal the buildings on the side so everyone goes there this is their most famous bridge within venice and so we were fortunate enough when we were there, it wasn't too, too crowded yet. And we were able to get a nice solo photo one of Brittany. But by the time we were done taking photos of her and it was my turn, people started to come in and get on the side. So I have people in my photos. And yeah, yeah I know, I know. But Brittany's photo is the most important, I guess. Thanks, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Spoken like a true Instagram husband. So apart from Venice, you said that there's other surrounding islands. So can you guys talk more about that? Did you guys go explore? Well, they are part of Venice. They just are further away and not connected by a bridge for it to be walkable. So I just want to articulate that to our listeners that they are part of Venice. But no, Brittany and I did not go to any of those islands, unfortunately. I did. And when I was doing my research about Venice, I came upon an island called Burano. And it's known for having these gorgeous, bright, colored houses lining the canals and it's so pretty so that was one thing I had to do and so we took a Vaporetto we bought our ticket got on it was pouring rain this day so we were completely drenched I had an umbrella the person I was with did not boohoo but <laughs> we were completely drenched our feet our clothes our pants everything but I still needed to see it so even though it was pouring down rain it was so pretty and we would have went to some of the other islands Murano's known for their glass blowing but you can find blown glass all all over Venice. You don't have to go to Murano to see it, but I highly recommend Murano, even if it's raining. It's so pretty. I'll post some pictures of the houses so you can see them, but definitely check that out if you can. Did you bring your umbrella? I had an umbrella. Yeah, I brought it because is... I knew it was going to be raining. So I never and, bring an umbrella. Well, ever. I was pre-planned. See, I plan. Yeah. Well, I'm we so all know Zane is not a pre-planner <laughs> when it comes to packing. Well, so. that's why I'm like, did you buy this umbrella? <laughs> they do have umbrellas for sale okay. there. It rains a lot. And so what's also interesting is that everyone has umbrellas so you're going through these tiny alleyways and you have to like raise your umbrella move it to the side you kind of just like wind in between people with umbrellas <laughs> oh, that's cute. highly recommend Burano. okay now that we've walked all around the city you've definitely built up my appetite so where can we go to eat 
Venice and Italy in general, you just eat, 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 drink, eat, walk around, eat more. Kim's not on her low carb diets when she's in Italy, I don't imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. And one of the favorite places that I ate in Venice was a place called Begoy. And it attracts you because they're making fresh pasta right in front of you. It's all like a spaghetti type of pasta, but like thicker. I'm not sure what the noodle's called. Like linguine or fettuccine. It's it's a thicker spaghetti. Okay. Okay. So it's actually rounded. It's not like a flat mm-hmm. okay because when you said spaghetti i was just thinking long noodle but i see what you're saying yep. now. and they're making it fresh right in front of you and so if there you get your pasta and then you pick what kind of sauce or meat that you want on it so you kind of make it your own and we got a pesto pasta hmm. and it was so good oh my god loved it was it like a fast food restaurant it you... was okay yeah you could just walk in and order it from the counter and then you could sit down or take it away it sounds really good actually i'm disappointed you didn't give us that little pro tip since you were in venice before us uh, Kim. i know and it was cheap. That's always good because one thing I want to say is Venice is an expensive city. So the place that Brittany and I went to to have a sit down meal was recommended to me by my friend and dentist. He was in Venice (laughs) and he told me about it and he said a lot of the places he ate in Venice, he wasn't necessarily too impressed because other places in Italy have better Mm -hmm. Italian food. That was his impression that he gave me. But he said for what this restaurant was where Brittany and I went, which was called Ristorante Centrale Pizzeria. He said that it was inexpensive and the food quality was pretty good. And I would have to agree on that. Did I love it? No. But for how much we saw everything else marked up in Venice for an actual sit down restaurant, not fast food, kind of like how you had Kim, it was really good. Brittany and I got a pizza that we split. We got a burrata cheese plate Mm. as well. That was really, really good and very inexpensive. I think the pizza was maybe about what? 12 euros, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was 12 euros. Most of the... I think every restaurant pretty much has their menu outside of the door. So you can browse around and keep looking at the prices. Most of the menus are very similar. So if you're looking for a good price, just keep walking. And I think 12 is pretty good for Venice prices. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, I saw a lot of other ones that were like 20 euros. 16, yeah. Uh, yeah, 16, for essentially 18. the same thing. Yeah. It's crazy because yeah. pasta is so cheap to make and to purchase. Depends on the sauce, depends on what they put on it, I guess. But again, it's Italy. It's a touristy city, so they have a markup. And if you eat anywhere close to St. Mark's Square, which is the main tourist attraction in Venice, expect to pay a lot, lot more. One of the other places that I ate in Venice was a place called Il Mercanti. And it was a place that we stumbled on when we were walking from the train to our apartment. And it's right along one of the canals. They have outdoor seating. So that's kind of what attracted us. Was it to on it. the main canal? No, it was okay. another side one. But I saw somebody eating a plate of bruschetta, bomb bruschetta. It was like all these different toppings, cute little pieces. And I saw that and I was like, we're eating here. And you go in and you can pick all of the different bruschettas that they have, get a glass of wine, sit by the canal and watch the boats go by and the people go by. I highly recommend it. Because when we were there like I said it was raining and a lot of places were shut down we kind of went back to the same spot this is near where we were staying and there's a place called Muro Ferrari something like that and it's right next door to Il Mercanti and it's just like a a casual cute little coffee shop that has drinks and little slider sandwiches but the minestrone soup which if you did not know like I did not minestrone soup in the U.S. is not the same as it is in Italy in Italy it's essentially veggie soup you will not get pasta or beans in it but this place had a bomb veggie soup. It was so good and it was perfect because it was raining and cold. Delicious. While we were in Venice, it was very, very hot and I really wanted to have gelato. I kept telling Jamal, Mm. I can't wait to have gelato in Venice. It's going 
gonna be so good. And there's tons of gelato shops lining the streets. So while we were walking around, we just kept scoping out gelato shop after gelato shop. And I had done some research on one of the more famous ones and it was called Gelatoteca Suso. And we actually went by it originally and we just took a peep in. We weren't too impressed. Big line already, though, when we even peeped it. There was already a big line. We saw the gelatos that they had in the display, and it looked good. Just their flavors and how they were describing it didn't look really as good as some of the other ones that we saw, interestingly enough. But we went back to it and decided to try it, and there was a huge line when we got there. The line was out the door, and we ended up getting, both of us, a double scoop of cheesecake and one that was described like a Snickers bar. Oh my god. It was so so good. It was the best gelato I've ever had. Wait, yeah, I'm not exaggerating. Best gelato. You said you weren't impressed. We weren't impressed with what the flavors were described like. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But once we went back and looked again, we're like, okay, let's try it. And the che- we got some premium scoops. So the cheesecake gelato had graham cracker crumbles and crust in it. Mm. Pieces of cheesecake mm-hmm. itself. It was so, so good. I know I want gelato. (laughs) Normally, I just go for pistachio, but... Mm, and if so you guys good. didn't know, I do have a really big sweet tooth. And while we were getting lost in the canals in the streets, Jamal and I stumbled upon a chocolate shop and they had chocolate fountains in their windows. And that's what really <laughs> intrigued us to go in. What was it called? It was called Nino's. Mm. And so we went inside Nino's and they just kept offering us sample after sample of like <laughs> chocolate covered nuts, chocolate You're covered like, cookies. Oh, if you insist, I guess. Yeah, so we take one. Italian. <laughs> <laughs> None of that. Okay. So it was really good. Like we would ask to look at something and then they would offer us another sample. And so they just kept offering us sample after sample. Did you buy anything? So we did. We ended up buying these chocolate covered almonds that were flavored like mm, lemon. So good. Ooh. Mm, did you guys buy it because you felt guilty because you ate so many samples? No, we really ate it because they to? were so, so good, good when they gave us the samples. Like I'm so stoked that Brittany and I walked out with as little as we did, considering how good we thought everything else was that they gave us for a sample. Because I could have bought pretty much everything they gave me a sample of. And then we also bought these like shortbread cookies with this lemon cream filling. Oh, shit. It had like a a lemon curd cream filling into it. Yeah, it was so, so so good. good. It is a little bit more on the expensive side. I won't deny that. And when we came home and finally ate those, and by home, I don't mean into the hotel we were staying. We really brought them home back to the United States with us. Still so good. Don't regret purchasing it, but I won't lie. They definitely don't give you a lot of it in the package size, but it's still a fun novelty to bring back and to have, and they're really, really good. So if you're walking the streets and you see a Nino's and there's more than one Nino's, definitely go in and try some samples. Try some samples. <laughs> it can hold off your hunger for a little bit till you find something else. Now, and tell them the travel squad sent you. Oh, oh we're famous. <laughs> Famous in Venice. But we're talking about the, you know, some of the sit-down restaurants. There's a lot of just walk-by, pick-up-as-you-go, to-go food from vendors selling just pizza slices or sweets that are cannolis or things Mm -hmm. of that nature. So there's definitely a lot of food. So don't jump the gun and get something right away. Or just get something and then get more something. That's true. Depends on how much (laughs) you want to eat. But if you're looking for a more sit-down, like Kim said, they have the menus out in front of all the sit-downs just scope it out 
see what you'd like and come back because you can definitely have a little snack walking along the way real easy. Mm -hmm. And some other things to know about eating in Venice. If you're at a restaurant, you don't tip. Tips already included, so you don't need to tip. Also, they will normally add on, I think it's a coperto, something like that. It's pronounced something like that, but it's basically like a little service fee. If they bring you out bread, it usually covers that. And a lot of places will just add this on. So if you see that on your receipt, don't be surprised. That's pretty standard. Good, good point. I forgot to actually mention that because you touched on two things that I wanted to say about the food. So yes, some restaurants do have service fees where the tip is included, but that's a unique thing in the tourist areas because tipping isn't customary in Italy. So just because there's a lot of tourists, they'll add it on there. So you're they not- They certainly appreciate it. If you do tip, you're welcome to, but it's not expected. Right. And so some restaurants will actually advertise that there is no service charge. Mm-hmm. We saw several of them doing that, but the menu will say, usually if there is a service charge. But on that side note about the bread coming to the table, you're very correct. Even if there isn't a service charge in some restaurants, I've seen it where they'll bring the bread without asking, but Mm -hmm. they charge for it. And it's usually like a euro or two. Yeah, it's not expensive. It's not expensive. And if you don't know it, you know, when you see it on the bill, it's going to be a little bit of shock, but that's just how they do things over there. So don't be surprised. Don't complain. Don't look like that pesky American. You're not going to fight that charge. So just accept it. Embrace it. If you can tell them to take the bread back if you really don't want it or you're not going to eat it or whatever. Another thing that you should definitely have in Venice is the house wine. Get a liter of house wine and really go for it. It's cheap. It's usually, I think in Venice, the cheapest I found was probably 12 euros, but um, in other parts of Italy, you can get it even cheaper and it's delicious house wine. It's amazing. I love it. Definitely go for it. I would recommend the house wine instead of like a bottle because whereas the house wine for a liter will be about 12 euros, the bottles would could be in the 30s or 40s. One last thing though, when I was leaving Italy, I stopped at this little cart place and there's a lot of them, so you can pick any one of them, but you should also get an affogato. Have you guys had one before? No. Oh my God. What is that? I don't even know what it is. Oh my God. Okay. So it's a scoop of gelato with espresso poured over it and Mm. it is so bomb. It's simple, but it's delicious. Does the espresso melt the gelato then? Just the perfect amount. Okay. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I'm disappointed I didn't try it. Well, you can get them in America too, so. Okay. Okay. It's not lost. Okay, guys, so we've walked all around Italy. You've taken us out to eat. Now I need to go home and rest and unbutton my pants. Where are we going? Well, Brittany and I actually stayed at a very inexpensive hotel. I don't know if this is the standard for all hotels in Venice because hotels in Venice are expensive. So Brittany and I didn't really want to pay a lot. We were only going to be there the one day. When you say expensive, what price ranges are you talking about? Oh, they could easily be 250 Mm -hmm. euros a night. For my whole Italy trip. For a shitty room. Venice was the most (laughs) expensive one and the hotels were not that great. Right. Yeah. When I was looking on Expedia to book the trip, a lot of it looked like either apartment homes Mm -hmm. or hotels that really didn't offer a lot or that didn't really speak to me. And I finally just... (laughs) (laughs) In Latin. (laughs) Big Latin. But I finally did find one that looked, you know, decent enough and it was called Hotel Moro de Venezia. Oh, that's so funny. I looked at that one too. 
And so they did have breakfast. Unfortunately, our flight was so early, we didn't get to enjoy the free breakfast that they offered, but they did have free breakfast. And what was really nice about it, it was very close to where the taxis can drop you off and pick you up from. The Piazzale Roma. So we didn't have far to walk with our luggage. And so that ended up being really nice. That's specifically why we booked that spot was price point. And we knew we had an early flight. There was no mass transportation. That's the only place for cars so we knew we could easily walk there with our luggage and catch a taxi which is what we did you know what i love about you jamal is you constantly try to do the accent like i don't know if you noticed but Mm -hmm. earlier you said pizza and then the water tax pizzeria yeah i I love love the way italian people talk even when they're speaking english they still pronounce things as you do in italian so i remember asking for directions from a restaurant owner and he was like cross the bridge (laughs) (laughs) so funny well i'm probably pronouncing it way way wrong but i figure i might as well try everyone loves someone who tries yeah because if you were in italy and asked somebody for a train ticket to venice they would have no clue what you're talking about even rome is called Firenze. yeah so that's what i was going to say if you were to say i need a train ticket to venice they'd look at you like what are you talking about it's venizza yeah actually that happened to my dad he and his girlfriend were looking to take a train to venice and i believe it was his girlfriend she went up to the counter and said i want a train ticket to venice please and they looked at her like she was crazy and they almost weren't able to make the train (laughs) so i mean some of the things you have to pronounce the way the italians do i imagine so i just want to make sure if any of our listeners go there piazzale roma huh (laughs) kim where did you stay i also booked through expedia and we did get an apartment and i think it was about the same range that you guys were looking at maybe around 100 or so euros per night and i actually really liked that we had an apartment the guy met us there and let us in he gave us the lay of the land he had muffins there for us very nicely so it was a one-bedroom apartment but it was really spacious and since it was raining we actually and it was the last end of our trip so we were kind of tired by this point so we actually spent a lot of time in the apartment Mm -hmm. we made dinner one night that's nice which presented some challenges not having like salt and pepper and oil and stuff like that but we made it work and it was great and yeah so i would say if you are looking at places and you are seeing a lot of apartments don't be scared it's pretty standard were you there one night or two nights we were there two nights do you remember the price i think it was around 100 a night yeah I'm pretty sure it was about that. I just looked up the cost of ours for one night in Venice. It was $163.94. And the hotel wasn't very good. And that's, again, on the cheap end. Dollars? Qu- yes. That's dollars, yeah. Yeah, quite honestly, that's on the cheap end. If you want mm-hmm. something that you would say like, okay, this is a decent hotel compared to standards that we may be used to here in the United States. And I'm not necessarily talking motels, you know, just like a hotel, like a normal hotel. Easily $300, $400 a night. Yeah, you could stay in Lido, which is an, another island, but you, then you have to take the bus or you can stay in the mainland of Venice. But again, you have to take transportation in. So I weighed those options too, the cost, the time, and kind of just figured it's worth paying a little bit more to stay in the main island rather than save a few bucks and have the time and money to get around. Well, do you guys have any last thoughts about Venice or Venice? No more last thoughts that I don't think we'll address with the questions that I see coming for questions. Question, right? Well, before we move on. I just want to make sure that you got your say and what you wanted to say. Oh, no, nothing left. 
then let's do the questions. You guys know you can always send us questions on Instagram at Travel Squad Podcast, or you can email us at travelsquadpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll not only write you back and answer your question, but we may even feature it on an upcoming episode. So send us your questions. So our first question is from George in Chicago. What's up, George in Chicago? And he's asking, how much time do you need to explore Venice? Jamal and I were there for one day, and I would say one to two days is enough to explore the entire city. It's very small. If you do want to do a surrounding island, I would probably say use the second day. But other than that, you can walk the entire island in just one day and see everything you need to see in one day. That's definitely true. I don't think you need more than one day unless you are going to see the surrounding islands like Brittany said. However, I will say this. There is a lot of historical things to see in terms of other churches that we didn't touch upon and things of that nature. So if you are interested in doing the Doge Museum and actually spending time in there, seeing it, going into the Basilica, doing the tour, going into all the other churches, you may need a little bit more time. But in terms of I just want to go there, see it, experience it, definitely you don't need more than a day. If I was to spend three days there, I think I would freak out a little bit like it was too much time. Yeah, I would agree. One to two days is probably fine. But there are surrounding cities So you could use Venice as your home base and take the train system, which is an amazing train system, really easy to get around and do like day trips if you were into that kind of thing. Good to know. Mm -hmm. And George also asks, so it sounds like, I know, thank you for engaging with us, George. Sounds like you're planning a trip. If you are, let us know how it goes. And he's also asking, do you think it's worth it to ride a gondola? Oh, that's one thing we haven't talked about. And it's probably one of the most famous things about Venice. That's true. Did you ride a gondola, Kim? I did not ride it. And I, we were kind of going back and forth about it, but it was raining when we were there. So we would have been getting rained on on the boat. Not that we weren't soaked already, but it's also very expensive. I think it was like 80 euros. 80 to 100 euros is the price that I kept seeing. Yeah. And honestly, if I was there again and it was warm, I would do it because it's just something that you kind of just say you've done it, you know? It's part of Venice. It's like Mardi Gras, New Orleans. Like you've just done it. How about if you've done it in Vegas? At the Venetian. Um, <laughs> it, interestingly enough, it's probably still just as expensive. I was thinking when Brittany <laughs> said 80 to 100, I was like, hmm, I wonder how much it is in Vegas. One <laughs> thing, though... I mean, I think it would be nice just a couple to be on there, but you can have a group of people. So you can split that cost. If you say the squad was there, we could split it four ways. What did you guys think? We did not end up doing it. I thought it was very expensive. And so I will say this: someone who works in my office building, Kat, who I'm really, really good friends with. I talk to her about my trips all the time. Shout out Kat. Shout out to Kat. She travels all the time just as well. When I told her we were extending our other European vacation to include a day in Venice, she told me, oh, Dad definitely ride the gondola. So she is all on board about the gondola. She loved it, said it's definitely worth it, even though it's expensive. And so that really swayed me to be like, okay, I want to ride the gondola. I told Brittany about it and I did a little bit more research. And then I found out, yes, you could go on Viator or other websites and pre-book your gondolas to ride them. And they are expensive. Some of them include a glass of Prosecco or champagne with it, but they were about 50 to 80 euros and the ride lasted 
15 to 30 minutes, no longer. But then the more and more I read reviews, it was basically saying that, oh, you think they're going to sing to you. If they do <laughs> sing, they don't really sing or put their heart into it. Some of them will be silent and rude to you. Yeah, They'll say it's 15 minutes and it'll actually be an eight minute ride and it'll be mm. shorter. So once I saw that, it swayed Brittany and I's decision to say, okay, we're not going to do it. And again, Kat had gone a long time ago, probably before the big, big tourist influx where a lot of the locals actually, I've read online that they present a lot of the tourists that come there, even though that they're biting the hand that feeds them just because it's so overcrowded now. So yeah, I have personal um, preference on if it's for you or not. You'll see them everywhere though. So you do still get to experience them and appreciate them and watch them go by, which is really cool when they go under a bridge. Mm-hmm. The guy like, he'll hop off onto the bridge and then get back on the boat once it goes under. It's really cool. But yeah, if you want to do it, budget for it and do it. All right, guys. Well, that's all we have for you this week. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed hearing about our experiences in Venice and I hope you have fun when you go yourself. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, tell us what you'd like and tune in every Travel Tuesday for new episodes. And if you aren't already, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Travel Squad Podcast. Next week, pack your bags because we are taking you to our backyard, San Diego. Woo! San Diego. Bye. Bye. Bye.